Lord, we do give you the highest praise. Lord, we thank you for this moment we have this morning to be with you, to spend time with you, to honor you with our presence here. God, we thank you that we can uh, seek you today. and We're grateful for where we live, our country. We're grateful for even technology, that those who cannot come, they are connected online. We thank you, God, that we can gather together as your people right now in this way. And I just give you praise for that, Lord. And as we gather, God, we thank you for this moment, really. I mean, out of the whole week, out of our whole life in one week, this is just a moment, God, that we have with you on Sunday mornings, and we thank you we get to study your word today. And so, Lord, I ask for your anointing. I ask for your blessing, God. I ask for your touch, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would move powerfully by your Holy Spirit. So anoint this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I was reading about, I don't know if you guys heard about the Ideal Toy Company. They actually put out some really great toys for kids. In 1903, I didn't know this, they invented the teddy bear. Isn't that interesting? And in the 1980s, they're the ones who really uh, produced and put out the Rubik's Cube. And some of you kids love to play with that even today. And so they're pretty famous for some great toys that they put out. But there has been some flops that they have put out, like uh, one toy they called the Baby Jesus Doll. <laughs> in 1958, this small doll in a plastic crib was marketed, uh, put out there as, oh, something that you can play with. It's unbreakable. It's washable. It's cuddly. And it, I don't know, I was thinking, well, as cuddly as it can be, being a doll made out of vinyl, I don't know how cuddly that is. But you know what? It flopped. No one bought it. Stores would buy it and put it on their shelves, but no one really uh, went and bought that. And they even put it out Christmas time, too. Uh, in a desperate attempt to get rid of his stock, one department store manager put up a huge sign, since it wasn't selling, trying to get rid of it, uh, put up a huge sign in front of the store saying this, Jesus Christ, mark down 50%, get him while you can. <laughs> I thought that was super interesting. But you know what? It caught my eye because there's one message that God pleads with us today. And that is get Jesus while there is still time. You know, we've been studying the book of Revelation. And as we return here to our study, I mean, in our minds is all the events that we study here of the end times, of the tribulation, yeah? Everything that's going to befall in the world. And then Christ comes. And as I've been talking to you about, it, it seems like we're right around the corner for the events that we study here. And so I feel like as Jesus has been even saying in this last chapter that, behold, I am coming soon. And if there's anything that we can hear from God, that is this. God is saying, get Jesus while there is still time. And so as we come back into chapter 22, we find in this last chapter, in this last book of the Bible, you know what we find in this last section? God's final plea. And that's the title of our message. Again, as I mentioned to you, this is part one. I was trying to do everything in one message. I thought, Lord, we could do it. I, I could do it. I could do it. But, but it just, just was 
packed, and so I split it in two. So we'll finish part two next time. But God's final plea, that's what we're seeing here in this last section of the book of Revelation on the last part of the Bible. So this morning we're going to be studying Revelation chapter 22 from verse 13 through 17. Next time we'll finish up the rest of the verses of the chapter. And um, today we're going to see three things basically. Uh, This is our outline and it works into our points. And number one is the declaration of how Jesus declares who he is and what he's really presenting here as we face the end and heaven coming. And then we see number two, the validation that this is Jesus. This is the Savior. This is the Messiah who's given this book. And then number three, we're going to see the invitation, really, of the church and, and, and also of saying, come Jesus, but also for God. God is calling out, inviting people to come to him. Now, next time, I'll give you these, these outline points. Number four Uh, Next time, in part two, we're going to see the notification that, hey, this is God's word. Don't tamper with it. And number five, the expectation that what Jesus sees is true. And we're going to see those two things next week. But for today, let's begin with God's final plea, part one here, with number one in our outline, the declaration. The declaration. If you're taking notes, we're going to be covering verses 13 through 15 in this section. So the declaration, verses 13 through 15. But first of all, take a look with me here now. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. Let's just look at verse 13. We read here, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And we'll stop right there. Now, we we begin with Jesus speaking here. This is obviously him. I mean, in verse 12, we see him saying, Behold, I'm coming soon. Right? Bringing my recompense, my reward, what we saw last time, to reward, to, to bless, to repay what believers have done. And, and so we're coming out of that. And then now Jesus, at this point, he is declaring something here. He's declaring who he is. Who's this one speaking? Who's, who is this person? So he says, I am. And right away I think about, oh, this, this is the great I am, right? This is the I am that I am. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, so I am, first of all, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, what is that? Well, Alpha and Omega is the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And so it's like saying, God is like saying, hey, I am the A to Z. And and so we, we would understand that better in that way. But, you know, for me, Jesus is saying, look, I'm the A to Z. I mean, I have all knowledge. I know all things. I have all wisdom. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm that one who has all knowledge. I know all things. Then he says next, look, I am the first and the last. In other words, Jesus existed before anything. Yeah, He, he, he was there before anything ever was, and, and he's the last. In other words, he's going to be there when everything goes. And, and so he's like, look, I, I transcend everything. Jesus, you could say, is the eternal God. All right? So first we know Jesus is saying, look, I know all things. I'm the eternal God. And then he says here, lastly in verse 13, I am the beginning and the end. And you know what what I believe he's saying? He's saying this. Not just that he's eternal, right? 
Uh, but, but he began it all. Yeah? Jesus is the one who began it all. And you know what? He's going to bring things all to an end. And what I believe what we're, we've been looking, what he's saying is what we've been looking at, right? The end of this world as we know it, what we studied in this book of Revelation. Jesus is the one. He started it all. He's the creator. He's the sovereign Lord. And so he has everything planned out, and he's the one who's going to bring it all to an end, and really to his final end goal, and that is that final heaven that we talked about in the last chapter. So here's Jesus, right? He's, he, he knows all things. He's the eternal God. Uh, he, he began it all. He's a sovereign Lord. He's in control. Jesus, Jesus is the creator, right? We understand that. Right? For by him all things were created, right? In heaven, on earth, visible or invisible, right? Colossians 1.16 says. It goes on to say, all things were created through him, and I like that last part of verse 16 in Colossians 1, and for him. Yeah? It's all him, it's all his plan, it's everything of his doing. So, right away in verse 13, we see this. This is the idea. The Lord Jesus is the Creator Almighty who sovereignly governs all existence. So, this is his declaration. This is what he's putting out. I mean, think about Jesus, the Creator. Jesus is God who started time itself, right? And it will end with what? What we saw in chapter 21 with the new heaven and the new earth, that new eternal realm we talked about. Jesus is God who, who rules over the past, rules over the present, um, and the coming future. He rules over that, everything that we saw in the book of Revelation. So you can see Jesus, like, look, I, I'm the one overseeing all of this. I govern all of this. Jesus, he said he is the Alpha and Omega. You know what I think about? He's the Alpha of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and he's the Omega of Revelation. He's of the last book of the Bible. This is Jesus. He's creator. He is God. And even more so, matter of fact, turn over to uh, Revelation chapter 1. If you remember when we started, maybe you don't remember, but it was a long time ago. I know. I, I know as I get older, um, uh, one year ago, uh, what happened? You know? But then as I get older, it's kind of like, oh, what happened last month? What happened yesterday? No. <laughs> but anyway, Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 8. He starts out, right? This book saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega says who? The Lord God. I mean, I mean, what else can you say? Jesus is the Lord God. Who is and who was and who is to come, right? Is the eternal God here. And then look at the last thing. The Almighty. Jesus is the Lord God Almighty. So if you go back to Revelation chapter 22, put this into your minds. The, what I want you to see is, is put into your minds this declaration that Jesus is making. You know who is speaking? It's the Lord God Almighty, our Creator, our Sovereign Lord who, who, who governs everything. So as we come to this end section of the Bible, we're reminded, you know what? The Lord Jesus is God Almighty. So with that in mind, take a look at verse 14 now. Jesus says here, verse 14, Revelation 22, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life that they may enter the city by the gates. And we'll stop right there. So 
the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Creator, He, he declares now a blessing. He, he, he says, look, this, this is the blessing you will have. He said, blessed are those who wash their robes. What is that talking about? Well, it is talking about uh, people have come to Jesus Christ and their sins have been washed by his blood. That's really the picture. And they are made righteous now. So the idea really, it speaks of how the blood of Jesus atones for our sin, washes our clean. In other words, we're forgiven. We are forgiven, you guys. We're forgiven of our sins. Our sin does not keep us from God anymore. Our sin does not keep us out of heaven. But now we've been forgiven, been cleansed of our sin, been made righteous. First John 1, 7, right, says, And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. All sin, you guys. I've been talking to some people this week, and it seems like, like, like the enemy brings in this lie like, well, I don't think God can forgive me of this sin. Or I, I'm so bad. But I read in 1 John 1, 7 that it's all sin. So understand that. Christ's blood covers all sin and washes you clean. So Jesus is saying, blessed are those who, who, who come and believe in me and what I've done on the cross, who wash their robes, who are forgiven, And because they are forgiven and washed clean, he goes on, so that they may have the right to the tree of life. What is the tree of life? Remember we talked about that? It's eternal life, right? To eat of the fruit of the tree of life, which is in in the new Jerusalem in heaven, it's really talking about eternal life. We have eternal life in Christ, right? And then we have that right to the tree of life. We have that right to eat of that tree. Why? Because we've been forgiven, We've been justified by in his blood and made righteous. So we have eternal life. And guess what? The forgiven, they may enter the city by the gates. And what city is this? The new Jerusalem. The final heaven we talked about all in chapter 21. If you missed it, go back. Go back to uh, Spotify or, or uh, Apple uh, Podcasts or go to YouTube channel and, and just go back there and look, uh, study Chapter 21, it's about the final eternal heaven. So the forgiven now are washed of their sin. The forgiven, they have eternal life. The forgiven, they can now enter through the gates of heaven, the new Jerusalem, and be there in that final eternal realm that God has for us, our destination in the end. So the declaration now from Listen, the Almighty God is saying that. Blessed believers are blessed because they have been forgiven. And you know what that means? Now, now our future is secure. Yeah? It's secure. It's for us. It's secure in the final heaven. Believers are blessed because they have been forgiven and now secure even a future, secure a future in the final heaven. I was thinking about Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, He entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Right? It, uh, we're not saved by the blood of goats and animals. And when we studied Hebrews, we learned that. But it was by the means of Christ's blood. 
that he shed once for all to cover all our sins. He didn't have to keep dying. No, he died once for all, for everybody, and it was a done deal. And that secured that eternal redemption, our life, eternal life in heaven. So the declaration is, guys, you're blessed if you believe in Christ, and you're forgiven, and now you secure a future in the final heaven. So, so listen, don't, don't ever say these words. I hope I get to heaven. I hope I can get into heaven. Maybe, we'll see at the end. Don't ever say those words. It's not true. Don't put those thoughts in your mind that, that will corrupt the truth that God is giving that in Jesus Christ you will be in heaven because you're, you're washed by His blood. You're cleansed. He covers all our sins and what is there for you? The tree of life, eternal life. And you, you're going to go through those gates and be in that final heaven. When Jesus forgives you guys, heaven is guaranteed. When Jesus forgives, heaven is guaranteed. Well, then he goes on in verse 15. We come to an interesting verse here. Verse 15 says, Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So as we go on now, Jesus says, well, but let me tell you something. But those whose sin has not been washed, as we see in verse 14, those who have not been forgiven, those who have not been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, basically those who are not saved, verse 15 says, you know what, they're on the outside. What does that mean, the outside? You know, when, when I was young in Christ and first reading the Bible, I remember reading this, and I was reading through the Bible, and I got to this part, and I go, so I pictured the gates, you know, the pearly gates in heaven, and then outside, you know, are all these, all these people, you know? And then, wow, that, that's weird. I would, be, I would feel weird walking through the gates, and these, you know, these guys are out there. I'd be like, ooh, this is kind of creepy. But that's not what it is. In my own mind, I thought, I kind of tried to put it together and what I understood. But think about what we learn now. In chapter 21, right, in the first verse, we saw, John saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth that passed away, there was no sea no more. A whole new realm we started, we studied, right? There's a whole new realm God made. It wasn't water-based, that's why no sea, right? And so we're in this at the end is this whole new realm, and Jesus is talking about this whole new realm, this new heaven, the new Jerusalem, right? That whole thing is like heaven. So what's outside of that? Well, you know what the only thing outside of that is? There's only one place. In Revelation 20:15 tells us the lake of fire. It's the lake of fire. It's hell. Uh, 2015 says, the last verse in chapter 20, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, in other words, if you're not saved by the blood of Christ and forgiven, he was thrown into the lake of fire. All right? So outside in the lake of fire is this list of people, of souls. We know Satan was cast into the lake of fire. We know the Antichrist is going to be cast there, the false prophet, the demons. But also we learn at the great white throne judgment, right, after the millennium, that those without Christ will 
be thrown into the lake of fire. And that's what uh, chapter 20 talks about at the end there. So outside is really the lake of fire. So that's really, there's heaven and there's what? Hell. That's it. That's it. So outside, who are these guys? Are, first of all, Jesus says, the dogs. Now this is not the animal, all right? Back then in the ancient times, dogs were not domesticated like we have today. They were really just roaming around, scavengers. They were like just all over, nuisance, making trouble, getting into things. They're just wild out there in the streets of Jerusalem. So to be called a dog, a person that is called a dog, it became a, 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 a characteristic call, a name that meant that you're of low moral character. That's what it meant. You're like these, these, these low lowlifes running around, scavenging, just doing whatever, yeah, whatever they want. Paul actually called the false teachers dogs, even. So it's just a term that, that basically the, the, the people with a very low moral character, evil, wicked, yeah, they're there in hell. The second thing mentioned here is sorcerers. Now, uh, back then, uh, sorcerers, it's not like Harry Potter kind of stuff. But let me tell you, you know, in Old Testament, we read of witches and, and sorcerers like that. And they were wicked people because they were really into more demonic things. Yeah? They weren't of God. So just, just something to put in your minds to think about. But here the word sorcerers in the Greek is pharmakos which is where we get our word pharmakia or, 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 or pharmacy. Yeah. And that is uh, what was going on is back then in ancient time, there's people use drugs to enhance their experience in their occult worship. So it's really those using these drugs to kind of get into these alternate kind of thing, which is a, a really against the Lord. And, and it's not about Jesus at, at all. And perhaps today we can apply it or relate it to, to drug abuse, yeah? to this the constant drug abuse. The, the next thing that Jesus mentions here in verse 15 is the sexually immoral. Now the Greek word here, it's actually one Greek word for our two words, is pornos, and where we get our word pornography. So this speaks of any... Any, anyone who engages in illicit sexual things, yeah? whether it's uh, sex before marriage, fornication, sex after marriage, adultery, and just continuing to do that, or all kind of aberrant kind of things that God never intended yeah, for a person to do. God created sex, you guys. He did, but he intended it for marriage, and he intended it between a man and his wife, a husband and his wife. So this really covers everything there. Then we have murderers. We know what that is, right? A person who just kills. We have idolaters, those who, who go after idolatry, worshiping other gods. I even thought about, well, maybe that covers all the, the religions of the world that go against Christianity. That are, They're all against Christianity, Right? And then he says in verse 15, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. What's falsehood? Lying. Yeah. Everyone who, who is, loves to, to cheat on people, who, who loves to lie, they, they just always lie living a lie. Yeah. 
and, and putting that forth. And they love it. And, and not only that, this is important, they practice it. Yeah? It's habitually something they do all the time. They, they just continue to, to lie and cheat, scam. Yeah? It's like every day for them. So as Jesus puts out this list, understand this. It's not like the one who used to do these things. Because maybe some of you who are believers now live, this, touches, this list touches on uh, your old life and how you lived. And understand, this isn't this exhausted list of sins and things. Yeah. But it's what Jesus put here and it's what we're looking at right now. But it's not like he's talking about someone who used to do this or did these things. But it's the one, and I think the key thing is practicing here, practices, yeah, who continues to habitually live like this. And you know why that's important? Because it shows that that person is not forgiven and a changed person. Right? We understand that. We understand that when we accept Christ into our lives, when we believe in our heart, with all of our heart and being that he died on a cross for our sins and I can be forgiven in the blood of Jesus forgives us of all our sin, First John 1, 7, that we have a new start, right, with God. That things are cleansed, we're made right with God. And you know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes into our life. And the Holy Spirit not only is there guiding us and speaking to us, helping us to understand Scripture, uh, uh, moving us, drawing us to God to come church, That's the Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin. Not only does the Holy Spirit come and do that in our lives, He comes into us. Yeah, And when He comes into us to do all these things, He also what? Changes us from the inside out. We become what? New creations, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And so we become this whole new person who doesn't want to do and live that old life anymore. Because God has created us in a a new heart. It's no more that desire. We're completely brand new. And then Jesus, in his, His death and resurrection, right? He broke the bondage of our sinful flesh, the bondage to it. And so now we're free to live for Jesus and not be in bondage to our sinful flesh, to do those sinful things. Romans 6, Paul says, Look, you guys, we got a choice now. We have this choice. We can, we can now yield ourselves to be slaves of unrighteousness or we can yield ourselves to be slaves of righteousness now because we died with Christ and we rose again from the dead. So there's this change that has happened. We're not in bondage or this new personnel. We don't really desire anymore. And so God is with that changing all the old practices, all the old sinful habits, and making us every day more and more like him. We're predestined, Romans 8 says, to the image of Christ, right? So that's the picture of our salvation. One day we're going to have our glorified bodies, be in heaven, and all the whole work will be completed. So do you understand that word practices is, is, is very important because it really speaks of everything in this list of this person that, that it's not like one who used to do the thing, these things. Like Paul in a similar list in 1 Corinthians said, such were, one, one, such were you, right? We, 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 you used to do those things, but no longer anymore. But the one who continues to habitually live like that person shows he's not 
forgiven and a changed person. In other words, he's not saved. Yeah? When we come to Christ, we become what? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, right? That he had prepared beforehand. He predestined already that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. That's the plan of God. That's the reality of what God is doing in our life. So when we come to a list like this, we got to understand that there are those who are saved and that there are those who are unsaved. Yeah? Those who believe and those who don't believe and have rejected the blood of Jesus where they can be forgiven and be saved. So, God closes out now this book of Revelation as we come into this section. He closes out the Bible really with this, but with the book of Revelation, you know what? He makes this declaration. This is really our point here. The Lord makes the declaration. In the end, you will either be blessed in heaven or be banished to hell because of sin. So do you understand what's being presented here? Yeah. This is the Lord who's making the declaration. This is the Lord speaking this now. And he's saying, look, in the end, in the, in the final end, you'll either be blessed in heaven or banished because of your sin. There's two groups here, right, that he mentioned. And who's saying this? It's the Lord God Almighty, our Creator. And wouldn't he know what what we're about? Wouldn't he know what his plan is? Wouldn't he know what, what he's working in people's lives and what he desires? Wouldn't he know yeah, how to be saved? Will you trust what he's saying to be true here? That, that's really it. Look, I'm, a, I'm the Alpha and Omega, he's saying. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. Are you going to trust what I'm presenting to you? This is, this is the truth in the end. One time, um, our old dentist, he's not practicing anymore, uh, I was, you know, in the chair, and he comes to me, and he told me I had to get, like, some major work done on your teeth. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I hate that, because I hate the dentist. I hate getting work done. I hate having to lie in the chair and, uh, you know, stuff going on with your mouth. And plus, I hate the cost. <laughs> it's so expensive. It's like, it just seems like a waste of money. Why, you know, and all that. I, I, I hate that. I remember, but he came and said, oh, look, Rick, teeth, da, 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 you need to get this done, da, da, and, 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 you know, the thing is, our old dentist, I knew him personally. And I knew that he, he's a solid believer. Yeah. So when he came to me, when he told me that, knowing who he is, I know he would not do me wrong. Yeah. I know he's not like out for money or, you know, you know sometimes you think, oh, do I really have to? Is it just, you know, um, part of your marketing, you know, all this kind. Right? I mean, we get these doubts. But, but you know, I, I know who he is. I know he's a solid believer. And so when he said that, you know what? He had my ear. I listened. I believe he had my ear. When he spoke about what needed to be done with my teeth, he had my ear. Well, think about that. In a similar way, God is speaking here. The, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, is speaking here. And he's talking about heaven and hell. He's talking about blessed. you'll be blessed in heaven. Or you'll be banished to hell because of your sin. You'll be blessed in heaven because you'll be forgiven. 
Or if you don't receive the blood, if you don't have the blood, if you reject the Jesus and his blood, then this is it. You'll be on the outside, which is the lake of fire. It's no clearer than that. And so if the creator of the universe is giving this message and declaring this, the one who started it all, the one who's going to end it all, shouldn't we give him our ear to? Shouldn't we listen to? Shouldn't we not write him off like, ah, I don't know. I, I don't, ah, ah, you know what, Rick, you're just saying this. And he, Jesus knows, because we're going to see this in the next verse, but he's saying, no, this is me. I'm talking about this. I'm, I'm the Lord God creator. Let's give him our ear and be serious about what he's saying. So here's God's final plea here, and we're coming to the end of the Bible, end of this book, and we see this declaration. It's, it's pretty huge. Well, then number two, we come to the validation, the validation. And here we're just going to look at verse 16. We're going to cover verse 16. So let's look at this. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. So here Jesus like officially validates that this book of Revelation is, is, is all him. It's from him. It's like he's signing his name. Yeah, He's saying, no, I, I testify that this is me. I gave this to the angel. Yeah, I, Jesus, think about this now. The Lord God Almighty, the creator, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, who knows all things. Now, I'm the one who sent the angel. I dispatched him. Yeah? I am the one who, who, who sent the angel to testify, the NLT translates that, to give you this message. I like that. To give you, this book of Revelation is a message from God himself. It's not John. Yeah? Remember I mentioned, um, I don't remember, <laughs> weeks or so ago, but remember John didn't like have some, oh, I got this vision and started writing this down. No, this was particularly sent by Jesus through this angel to John to write it down so we would have it today. This is God. This is Jesus, right? Testifying, validating that this is him who really is, is behind this book, who, wrote, who, who wrote, gave this book. And then he says here in verse 16, testify to you about these things for the churches. And we saw that in chapter 1, that John wants to write to the seven churches, and there was particular churches, more than seven back then, but there's a particular group, and from there, right, we learned that uh, this letter, actually, you know, it is, it's a book for us with chapters, but it was actually passed around to the churches, to the seven churches, and then to all the churches, and, and now we have it today to read, to study, yeah. So it is for the church, but we also learn in verse 10, last time, that we are to proclaim to all the world what, we, what is in this, right? Because we are not to what, verse 10? Do not seal up the prophecy in here. So this is a message of Jesus, and Jesus, he's the one who, who, who gave it. He's the one, basically, John dictated or whatever, but Jesus really is the author here. And then he says in verse 16, 
After that, he says, I am the root and descendant of David. Now, this is really interesting because Jesus is saying, look, I'm the one who gave you this message. I'm the author here. And understand this. I am the root of David, and I am a descendant of David. What is he saying? Well, when he says the root of David, it refers to his deity, for Jesus is the creator of David's family. He's the one. He's the creator. He's the Lord God, right? But then when he says, I am the descendant, it refers to his humanity. And we know, right, that the Messiah would come from David's family, from his, his line. So now Jesus is saying, look, I'm Lord God, creator, uh, almighty and all. But hey, I'm the one who created David's family. Yeah? And I'm the one who was, actually came as a human into this world. So what is Jesus saying? He is what? Both God, the creator, and a human being, man. And so that means coming through the line of David, that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what he's saying. I'm the Messiah. Yeah, I created everything. I'm sovereign. I govern it. But you know, I'm the Messiah, you guys. I'm that one. Uh, The one who gave you this book of Revelation, you know, is the Messiah himself. I'm the Messiah. I'm Emmanuel. What does that mean? Do you remember? God with us, right? Uh, That's what Jesus was, was titled, right? God with us. He's the one, the Messiah. And why did the Messiah come? To save. To save. To die on the cross for our sins. Jesus is the Messiah. God becoming a man. John 1.14, remember? It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's the Messiah. Jesus is. I'm the Messiah that is giving you the words of this book. Then he says in verse 16, after I am the root and descendant of David, then he says this, this I'm also the bright morning star. Now, what, what is that, the bright morning star? It, it really speaks of Jesus being the hope of our salvation. You see, when the morning star, when you see the morning star of Venus, right, uh, it is seen at dawn, it's welcoming a new day. And so at the end of the darkness of this world, Jesus is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. Jesus appears, right, at the end of the tribulation, right, to, to defeat the Antichrist and the armies of the world. And that when he appears, it signals the dawn of a new day of his glorious kingdom, the millennium. So Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the returning king. Jesus is the one who officially brings the light into the darkness. He's the Savior. Second Peter 1.19, this is the NLT, says, You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Talking about the prophets. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns in Christ, the morning star shines in your hearts. I like that. I picture... Uh, Jesus, that morning star, you know, shining in my own, the darkness of my own heart. So let's put all this together. So as God is closing out this book of Revelation, here's what I want you to see here in this verse. The Lord gives his validation. Revelation is from the Messiah 
who came to save you from the judgments to come. That's what he's saying. That's what we're, we're, we're seeing here. I mean, think about everything that we saw in this book, right? I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the judgment of God falling upon the world, right? Through the seals, through the trumpets, through the bowls. How, how the Antichrist rose up and brought even more evil into the world. How, how he took over as one world leader and brought a, a, a one world religion. And then he turns it out turns it around to be about him and everyone's to worship him. I mean, all this evil and stuff is going on and then judgment is falling. And if anyone comes to faith, we learn during the tribulation, the tribulation saints, they're persecuted. And I bet most of them are killed. I mean, it's, it's bad. But Jesus saying, look, I'm the Messiah. Yeah, I'm the Lord God, creator almighty. And, and look, this is salvation, you know, um, washed in the blood of Christ. But look, I gave this book. And, and Revelation is from me because, you know what? My whole thing is to save you from these judgments to come. It's to warn us. It's to help us see. He's the bright morning star that wants to rise into your life and bring light into the darkness of your sin and free you from your sin. And forgive you of your sin. Help you become a child of God and know God. That's a, the, the Lord gives us validation here. Look, revelation is for me, the Messiah. But you know what? I'm the one who came to save you from the judgments to come. We could read Revelation and go, oh, oh, this is scary. Oh, this is really bad. It's all whoo, wrath of God, everything like that. But we learn more, Right? We saw more. We got glimpses of heaven and uh, God's grace. And we saw a lot, right? And as this book closes, and as the Bible closes, here's the Lord. Look, I, yeah, I gave you revelation, but, you know, it's me, the Messiah, who did it. It's me. I got to come in judgment and where I'm going to reign and rule, but I, I came to save you. Hey, just this week, right, we're coming into hurricane season, right? June? Right, June to what? November, correct? Yeah. I don't know if you saw the recent reports, but it says for Hawaii that their NOAA is predicting a below normal hurricane season, and it's like, oh, good. Yeah. Praise the Lord. We keep praying. You know, God spare us, spare, spare Hawaii and our islands. But we got to pray for other parts of the country, right? Because they say the Atlantic hurricane season, which is like the same time, is predicted to be above average and so i feel sorry for friends that i know over there and gotta you know pray that it's not really bad yeah i think just this morning there's something argo or something churning up uh, down by mexico actually um and in and it's on the pacific side but it's heading that way so but i you know this is given right so we can it helps us to prepare yeah, I remember one hurricane that was approaching us, and 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 I remember they're you know predicting the winds and everything, and it's it's like oh you know uh, we're, we're gonna get hit, we're gonna get hit, and people are boarding up their windows and everything. I didn't have boards, but what I could do is take all the loose things outside and put them inside, you know, like chairs, you know, outside or 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 boards or plants that might go flying and you know go through your window and all that and and so we're told things ahead of time because these things could fly and and make damage well think about this the messiah 
gave us revelation so that we could prepare our hearts, really, so that we can be saved from what's coming. Yeah? That, that we, we can understand, whoa, if this is what's coming, that I need Jesus. If the Messiah himself validates this, look, I gave this, but I'm telling you, judgment is coming, but I, I'm telling you, I want to save you. And if he says this, if he says judgment and trouble is coming, it's for sure. Yeah. See, this is our Jesus. This is the Messiah. He wants to save us. He wants to help us. He, 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 he grieves when we're caught up in sin. He knows the consequences that that's creating. And he knows the very end, what we read about, it's, it's hell. And that breaks his heart. But he died on the cross for our sins, so we have a way out. And he's telling us all this so that we have a way out. And that's through him, through his blood. You know what God's heart really is? That we would have a future and a hope. That's God's heart. That's what he told Israel, remember, in Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, right, says the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace. Not evil, right? A future, to give you a future and a hope. That is Christ's heart, you guys, for you and I. And even if you're a believer already, understand that. Understand that. No matter what you're going through, don't let those thoughts tell you in your mind, oh, God don't like me no more. Oh, I, I, I sinned so bad that oh, I, I, God's done with me. No. It's, that's not what's in his mind. That's not what he has planned for you. You have a future and hope in him. So cling to him. Cling to him and get rid of those thoughts. So we see God's final plea here, the declaration, the validation. And now we come to our last heading, the invitation, the invitation. Our last verse for this morning is this. this verse 17, Luke 22. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Isn't this great how this all flowing into this verse now, verse 17? Now, this is actually, verse 17, two invitations. Let me explain. The first invitation is the spirit and bride say, come. Now, you can study this. And, and I would say half the commentators and pastors, they, they half see only one, but half see two, all right? And so some see this as the church, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, are calling people to come to Jesus. And it, it can be that way, for sure, you know? The Spirit in the church is calling people to come to Jesus, to come, be forgiven and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, to, to secure your future in heaven, yeah? to, to not be under the judgment because the Lord God Almighty came to be our Savior and die. So certainly it could be that. But let me give you this, that this is an invitation, uh, and this is what others see. And, I, and I'm leaning toward this, um, actually, I should say, I'm leaning toward this way this time. <laughs> Last time I taught it the other way, <laughs> but this time. So 
Yeah. But anyway, of course, everything I say, you know, Acts 17, 11, you can study it on your own, be a good Brian. But let me, let me present to you this, that, that this is the Holy Spirit and the church both calling out to Jesus to come. To come right the wrong. To come end this evil world. To come and, and deliver from Satan and the demons. To, to really answer that prayer, right? The, the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Yeah. Come now, Jesus. Come now. So the response to this declaration of the Almighty God and the validation from the Messiah is a cry for Jesus to come and fulfill his plan. Morning star, come. Morning star, come dawn on us this new day. That's, that's sort of the thought. So if we see this as the first invitation, it's a cry for Jesus to come, which really has been the desire of the Holy Spirit and the church, the Holy Spirit in the church. Henry Morris, in his commentary on Revelation, wrote this. All through the centuries, the Holy Spirit has wrought within each believer's heart an earnest desire for the Lord's return. You know, the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? We're, we're a temple of the Spirit. So what the Holy Spirit desires is going to be our desire too. And we see this in the Bible, like when Paul said, For our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. We await a Savior. Jesus Christ, and that's Philippians 3.20. Or, or Paul even wrote in 2 Timothy 4.8 that believers are to eagerly look for it, or they love his appearing. It's a desire that we have. And then remember how the early church, and this is from First uh, Corinthians, um, uh, remember the early church greeted each other, right, with Maranatha? Yeah. What did that mean? Lord come, yeah. The Lord come. Maranatha. Oh, we're waiting for the Lord. We want the Lord to come. And so that's why I'm leaning toward this way. As I understood more about the morning star, Jesus bringing in the light, yeah, ending the dark evil world of, of, of the tribulation, he coming and bringing them the millennial kingdom. And after that, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome into the final heaven. I see this as this first invitation. It reflects the heart of true believers, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, which is the church. And then, in verse 17 comes the second invitation, where we read, And let the one who hears say, Come. So this is an invitation for those to hear. So you guys, hear this. Now, hear the message of the gospel. Yeah? Come to Jesus, be forgiven, come, and, and, and then you're going to join in, and you'll be able to say, come, Lord Jesus, also with us. So let him who hears the gospel, is saved, cleansed, and forgiven, let him also say, come, join in on that. And so then, with that, this invitation goes out to those who are thirsty, verse 17. To the one who's thirsty, Come, here, basically. Thirsty, come. There, there's the word come, and it's like a play on words. Yeah. Come, Lord Jesus. But you guys come too, so you can join in and say come. So let those who are thirsty, those who are thirsting to be saved, thirsting to be forgiven, thirsting to be made 
uh, right with God, thirsting to, 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 to know him and, and have heaven in your life. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, John 7, 37. So let him, let him come, and then you could join in. And so the invitation goes out to the one also, uh, let the, the one, it says, right, um, who desires take the water of life. Now, here in the ESV that I'm using, it says the one. Um, the word, though, is actually talking about anyone. NLT puts anyone. And we, uh, I'm, my head is still in the old King James, is whosoever, or the new King James, whoever. So let whoever, right, come. It's an open invitation. So whoever wants or desires, right, Whoever wants to make that choice to come, let him come, that he may come to Jesus, be forgiven, be cleansed, and drink the water of life. What is that? Salvation and eternal life. And then look at the very end of the verse. The very end of the verse. Without price. This is huge, you guys. All of this without price. In other words, you could come and drink freely. It doesn't cost you anything. What's he saying? Salvation doesn't cost you. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for your salvation when he died on the cross. So there's no cost. So the second invitation is for all to come and receive, you know what, the free gift of salvation. And that's Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but what? The free gift... Of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, look at that on the screen. I think it's up there. But uh, notice how it says free gift. It just doesn't say gift. I think God had that put in there. Paul writing that because we would, it would underline in our mind that this is free at no cost, without price. Salvation is without that because why? Jesus Christ paid that price. So our last point is this. The invitation to come to the Lord Jesus really is so you can join in and say, Come, Lord Jesus. That's what I see here. The invitation is to come to the Lord Jesus to be saved so you can join in with the church in the Spirit and say, Come, Lord Jesus. The other week, um, my father at his birthday and turned 86 years old. 86, yeah? 86. And, and so did my mother. <laughs> but I was thinking about, um, for my father, we, we ordered and sent him uh, a bonsai tree, a little bonsai tree that was five years old. And uh, <clears throat> he got it this week. It took a little while to, to get to him. And um, you know what? I think it's amazing. It's not like we packed it up and sent it. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I, I kill my plants, not, you know, grow them. But Amazon has bonsai trees you can order. I thought, well, this is perfect because, you know, they live on the mainland, easy to get them, you know, presents. And, and so, so anyway, he, he, he sent me a text. said, oh, I like it. You know, thank you. He's like, oh, happy birthday. And I was all worried, like, well, well snap me a picture and, this is my dad. It's awesome. He can use the phone now. He can text. And he can take pictures. And, and he took a picture and sent it. And it looked pretty good. So I was relieved, you know. Because, you know, some of the reviews you read, like, oh, no, I hope it comes okay, right? So anyway, he was happy he got this uh, bonsai tree. 
<clears throat> now, I was thinking about that when he texted me like, oh, you know, thank you and I, I, lo- I love it kind of thing. What if he texts me and said, well, how much do I owe you for the tree? You know, I would text him, what? No, no, Dad. No, no need pay. I paid for it, you know. Well, what if he texts back and said, well, well, let me just give you a little bit anyway, you know, a little money anyway. It's like, no, Dad. What would I say? It is what? A gift, right? It's a free gift. It doesn't cost you anything. That's what a gift is, right? That's a gift. I mean, we have to work for our paycheck, right? We work and we get a paycheck. That's a paycheck. Yeah. We have to go, we went full line yesterday. We got to pay for our food. Yeah. And, and we got to go buy that. that. That's what we do. But you don't pay for a gift that someone gives you, right? You don't pay for that. Well, that is exactly what Jesus did. Do you understand that? Jesus paid for your forgiveness so you can be saved. When He paid for it by dying on the cross. So the only thing you need to do is come and receive that gift. And you know what that means? That means to believe in what He's done. To, to respond by stop doing what has separated you from God. To repent of your sins. And to give Him your life. Let Him work in your life so you can be that new creation. So do you hear the heart of God here? Jesus is calling. Come, come. Do you feel that tug on your heart? That's Jesus calling, come. Do you hear Jesus saying, listen, what's coming? Get, get things right in your life. Get things right with me. Do you feel that tug? That's Jesus. That's the Lord. And it, it, it's not this condemnation that he's putting on you. It's love. He's saying, I, remember, I'm the Savior who came. I, I wrote this book. Yeah, there's a lot of judgment, but I... I'm, I'm your savior. I'm giving you this because I love you and, and, and I, I, I've done everything for you. Come without price. Come. And you could join everyone else who's saying, come, Lord Jesus. You know, sometimes we resist because we still feel we need to do something. Yeah? Sometimes we feel like, well, it can't be that easy. But... Let's stop and think about this again. Who is speaking here? The Lord God Almighty. Yeah. Uh, the Messiah who, who came and died for us. You know, he's telling you. He, he's, he's, God is saying, look, this is how it's set up. This is what I've done. Suppose you went to a bank to get a loan. You want to borrow some money. You wanted to do some remodel on your home or you need to pay something off. So you go to the bank and, and um, get a better interest rate. And so you go to the bank, get a loan. Well, who has the right to make the terms of your payment? The banker guy, right? You can't come in, well, can you, can you loan me $50,000 and I'll give you five, $5 a month? You know? Oh, no. Yeah. He's going to set the terms if you want to borrow that money. Well, think about God, the creator who made you, the sovereign one who, who governs all existence, the one before the foundation of this world made this plan of how we can be saved and forgiven of our sin. Well, doesn't he have the right to set the conditions of 
salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. It's through believing on what he's done for you. It's receiving that gift and giving you, giving him uh, your life. It's turning from your sin and re- repenting. Shouldn't he have the right to set whatever terms that is? And then, if this is God, this is creator, this is the Messiah, shouldn't we accept that? Well, if this is it, then this must be true. I know sometimes it's hard. We're, we're conditioned with this, well, if I do good, I'm rewarded. But we cannot do good, and we've done bad. And no matter how much good we do, it cannot make up for the bad. So Christ said, no, no worries, I'm going to come. And I'm going to die for you. I'm going to atone for your sins. You don't have to. I'm going to shed my blood so you can be forgiven. I'll close with this. Charlotte Elliott desired to become a Christian and was, was talking with someone and she was told that she simply just, all you have to do is come to Jesus. But she replied, but, but, but wait, I'm, I'm, I'm a great sinner. I, I've really sinned bad. You mean he will take me just as I am? The man told her, yes, he'll take you just as you are and no other way. And then she said, all right, if he will take me just as I am, then I will come. And so she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Well, that night, she sat down and wrote the words to that hymn. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thy biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I Will you come to Jesus right now? Will you give him your heart? This is the Jesus calling out to all of us, you guys. Right here at this end of the Bible, the end of Revelation. This is God's final plea. Let's pray. Lord, your voice is loud right now. Your Holy Spirit is moving upon all of us. And wherever we stay in our walk with you, it's important we understand it's you. That you're making a plea. You're calling out to us to come. Come be forgiven. Stop hiding. Stop burying that sin, but it needs to be dealt with. Stop running away. Stop thinking that you're not worthy. Stop thinking that God is here to condemn you. That's what you're telling us, God. You're you're here, God, for us, and you want to save us, and you want to free us, and you want to heal us, Lord. You want to forgive us. So, Lord, I, I pray that you would do that very thing. And if there's anyone here today, at the sound of my voice, whether online or here in this room, that have never given their life over to Jesus Christ, and Lord, that they would do that right now. That even as we sing, they would give their life to you, their heart to you, and that that they would be saved by believing in you, that you are our God who have come in the flesh, the Messiah, to die on the cross for our sins. And it's through you, through your atonement, that we can be forgiven and saved. God, you're calling out to us. Time is short. You're, you're coming soon. The rapture can happen. This world can go upside down in in a minute, in a second. We see it already in other events in this world. 
Jesus, you're calling to us. You're saying, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So we come to you right now, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your name. Amen.